Oh, it's tricky when there's all these names in here and um, uh, to, to pronounce them well. But uh, you guys are great. Um, but it's good to worship together. I, I was not here for a couple of weeks, and last week, um, Pastor Sam was telling me, man, it was so good. The kids did such a good job, and um, the worship was so good, and it was, you know, the, it was so many people were here, and um, the tacos were so good. And, you know, just he just kept telling me, and he was kind of rubbing it in, and so um, he was supposed to come today, but I said, I'll just, I'll preach it, Irvine, don't come. I want to go. Um, but uh, it's so good to be here and to worship with you all. Um, you know, can you believe that the year has come to an end already, and uh, we're, we're, you know, almost there, and uh, another new year is coming, and uh, for some of us, it, you have to really think carefully, how old am I going to become, because you forget as time goes on, um, and, uh, you know, it just comes by so fast, and you think about this, and we're at the end, uh, and I don't know if you spend, if you're able to spend some time to just reflect on the year, um, one of the things I like to do, I like to look back on my calendar on just how, what my year looked like and just to reflect a little bit. Um, and then try, try to uh, uh, kind of evaluate myself. Like, how was it last year? Was it a, a good year? Or was I just running around busy? Was I effective? Did I grow? Um, am I the same? Am I a better person? Just a lot of things. And I like to look at it. And also, one of the things that... Um, uh, is need is through as each year goes on you you make new friends and so a lot of you at church have made new friends um, and then some other friends they moved away they're gone whatever happens they go away um, and things change and people change and I think God uses people in our lives to sustain us to help us to strengthen us and people who are with us are very important right and uh, we see that here in this text we're at the last section now of second Timothy and Paul closes by really naming names, some that we are familiar with, some we're not. But he talks about some who have heard him, some who have helped him. Um, and he lists them in detail. And we're not going to go through every single name and, and you know, try to parse where they were and what they did and, um, as much as to generally take a look at it. But one of the things, we're, the things that we're going to do is we're going to see kind of the people who have heard him, why they heard him. And the second part is we're going to see the positive things. Um, the people who have helped him. And from that, we'll gain um, what kind of friends should we pray for? What kind of friends should I be, you know, to someone around me? What kind of person do I need to work on uh, to be? Um, what helped him um, there? And, and how ultimately it was the Lord who helped him in God's presence, right? The Lord stood by me, it says. And so we're going to finish with that wonderful thought. Uh, but we get here, obviously, this is the end of his life. He knows it. In the previous passage a couple of weeks ago, he talked about, you know, that he has, you know, kind of finished the race. He has fought the good fight. It's all done now. He knows this is it. And so these are very important words. These are, um, you know, just extra sacred. If you have last words to share, you would share the most important of words in your life, and especially if you are passing it on to a loved one. And that's what he's doing here to Timothy, his apprentice. And he talks now about, those who have heard him and those who have helped him, and ultimately that God himself was his help um, because of the presence, because of being there. You know, um, the value of presence is so important. Uh, the value of people being around. You know, I don't know about you, if you had big families, um, if you had gatherings for Christmas or not, but something about just 
being together. And maybe these people, they are related to you, but you haven't seen them since Christmas of 2014. And you say, okay, we're going to get together and uh, marvel at how big the kids are getting. Um, try to ignore the fact that they're looking older. You know, and, and you get together and you eat and you talk. But the joy of being together, I think, is uh, um, very special. And we overlook that. Um, and he talks about that here. Um, you know, and we, since, you know, ever since, you know, we're in preschool, we long for that togetherness. We long for that belongingness, right? Since preschool, and I, you know, I have two daughters, and I've had to talk to them about, you know, how their BFF doesn't want to play with them anymore. And, you know, it's really heartbreaking as a parent, right? Like, she doesn't want to play with me anymore, and she goes, and she goes to now the tetherball courts, and now I, I you know, and I was like, well, who did you eat lunch with today? By myself. And, you know, you as a parent, you're like, you know, we're moving out of this country. This is horrible. <laughs> These kids are horrible. You know, what's wrong with them? Um, I, no, but really, it, you want to help them through it, right? And, but even since then, you belong, you know, and they join the Girl Scouts, and they're wearing the same uniforms, and they want to belong to this. This is our, you know, troop number. This is who we are. And there's an identity, and, you know, teenagers, you know, boys will join a gang simply for that identity. This is who we are. This is our, you know, identity. These are my brothers. They would use words like that. And people who go to college, they join fraternities for the same reason. And, and it continues that we want to belong somewhere. And people are very important. Being with people are very, is very important. It's interesting because <clears throat> Paul here talks very candidly about those who have hurt him. Because they deserted him, right? This isolation. They, he's been deserted. Uh, he's, he's, you know, the apostle Paul. He's the super Christian. He's the founder of the, you know, the, the New Testament church to the Gentiles, to the world. He's the one that penned almost half of the New Testament. This is Paul, and he talks candidly about people who have deserted him and how hurtful that is. And what that tells us is it is okay to acknowledge that. It is normal that we need people around us. And this is what he says about those who have hurt him, right? He mentions Alexander in verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deity. Um, he talks about this person who had did him great harm, who was against the message, against the work of Paul. Um, and you would think, here is Paul doing God's work. Here is Paul um, preaching the gospel. Here is Paul helping the church. Why would someone want to go against him? But that's how kind of people are. And uh, there is one instance of that. Another instance is mentioned in verse 10 of a man named Demas. Uh, Demas, for Demas in love with this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Um, he is in love with the present world. He has abandoned him. He's deserted me, he says. Uh, it's interesting because Demas is mentioned in Colossians 4, 14 as a close associate, as a friend. And so he was someone who was with him. And really, it's not a stranger that would hurt us, but it's those who were close to us. And when they leave us, it hurts the most. And so Paul endures this. And some of us might, in, in, you know, maybe some of us brothers here, might, you know, we might just, um, in our toughness, say, oh, it doesn't bother me. Hey, forget them. I didn't like them anyways. It's okay. I'm tough. But really, deep down inside, it, it, it hurts when someone leaves us. Um, and, and so this is the backdrop of this. And he writes about those who have 
abandoned him, those who have been against him, and he talks to Timothy. And I think he mentions these people. One part is to say, okay, you be careful of them. But the second part is to let Timothy know this is actually what the Christian walk will look like. If you take a role in leadership, this is some of the things you'll face. And, and this is mentioned here. Now, what strengthened him? Right? What strengthened Paul? The people that left him hurt him, but also there were people who were close by that really was his strength. People being with you is very important, right? Uh, this idea of uh, being in the presence of someone. And I think that's why we <clears throat> get together at church. We sit here, we have service, uh, we, we you know, rub shoulders, we say hi, we get to know each other. Being together, there is a benefit, just simply of being together. And what's mentioned here, first of all, is Luke, verse 11. Luke alone is with me, he says. Luke alone is with me. Um, Luke, we know, the author of the Gospel of Luke. Luke, the physician, as he is mentioned in other parts of the Bible. Luke, the one who helped Paul, is with him. It also, he also tells us he alone, it was him, him alone that's there. Now, one guy is here. Everyone has deserted me, but Luke alone is here. Uh, it says a great deal about Luke, where everyone else went, but Luke stood by him, and how important that was. Um, the importance of having someone present with us is so important. Um, why do we gather, and why do we have small groups? And one of the biggest focuses for our church is really is our small groups. Even more than doing personal quiet times and readings and all that is very important. But more than that, we want to sit and learn and grow. And I've had people say, well, you know, I go to a small group, but I haven't learned anything new. I haven't learned anything novel. You know, my small group leader is not, you know, as smart as I am. You know, basically indirectly saying that, you know, like, I haven't learned anything new. What do I gain from this? And the gain is not like I'm going to learn something novel every time I go. But what I learn is that I sit there and I am with people and I'm in the presence of people. And we pray and we talk. You know, I'm in a small group. Um, and the first time, uh, I remember a couple years ago when I, you know, we joined one of the small groups at church. And it was really awkward for the small group leader. Like I could tell he was like, he goes, oh, you're in, you're in our group? I go, yeah, I'm in your group. Oh, so you're the leader? I go, no, you're the leader. I'm in the group. Oh, like, and then we're going to talk about your sermon? I, yeah, we're going to talk about my sermon. Um, oh, like that's, you know, you think about it. And so there was a joke. This was the special, like everyone would come like, oh, this is the special group. This is the, you know, um, what do we call it? The um, um, AP group, someone was saying. Um, and you can, academic probation. I don't know what AP stands for, but they would talk about that. And, but no, really, I, and um, I'm in the group. Me and my wife and our kids are in the group, and we're, we're kind of like just members. And it's funny because they, you know, our small group leader, uh, John and Katie now, they, they remember things I said, which by that time, I've, to be honest, I've already forgotten it because I've been working on the new, new message. So I'm like, I don't even remember what I said last week. And they're like, you know, you said this, and I remember this, and, you know, I think we, and um, I, I benefit from it, right? Um, and I sit there, and I, I, I grow from it. Am I learning something new? Am I, am I there to go get an education per se? No, I'm, I'm learning and I, I'm gaining just by sitting there together. Sitting in the kitchen and, and eating snacks and talking and praying. Um, there is something about that. And he says, Luke alone is with me. 
to be present in someone's life when they are struggling. Uh, my next door neighbor, uh, sweet old retired couple, uh, retired math teacher, Mike and Linda. Um, you know, ever since we moved to our place about three and a half years ago, four years ago, uh, they would bring over cookies and want to talk. Uh, really friendly. And now he's um, um, uh, fighting cancer. And I, I think he's not going to make it. They had to stop chemotherapy. And um, he can't go out anymore because he's so weak and he's fallen in front of his house and this and that. And uh, so, you know, I take my girls and we go over and we try to chat with him and he just loves it and he's talking and um, I was talking to his wife on Christmas Eve she brought you know, Christmas Day she brought cookies over and we're talking and, and I was like I, I better go pay him a visit I need to go sit with him um, and you know I, I know he goes to church but I want to you know really share the gospel with him and comfort him if I can um, to go there but to just sit there with someone um, I think is so important this is what Luke here does uh, the second person mentioned in verse 11 is, get, is Mark. He says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. So Luke is with him. The presence is good. But also Mark is good because he is useful. Now what's the opposite of useful? Is useless. And this is in ministry, like in serving others in Christian ministry. So uh, he's saying, get Mark, he's useful. That means he's available. Um, just to put it bluntly, you know, I, I've, I've met tons of people at church. Um, most, a lot of energy goes to how to lead people, you know, with our staff. I'm always teaching how to lead, what's the right way to lead, um, uh, you know, and, you know, we're focusing on the human skills because, you know, we want people to be useful. And I encounter people that are very useful and I encounter people that are useless. So I say, can you do something? I can't. Can you do this? You want to join this? I can't. Why? Because so, I'm too fragile. I can't. I can't. They, someone will hurt me. Someone will offend me. I can't do it. Right? And the person that do, does nothing is what? Useless. Whereas Mark here is useful. Now, Paul is not going to ask for someone who says a hundred excuses. I can't do anything. I can't do. I, am, I, I won't do it. I can't do it. But he looks for someone who's available, who's useful. Now, if the Bible is right, and we are all gifted with something, the person who's useful is the one who uses it. And here he's saying, Mark, bring him with you, for he is very useful for, uh, to me for ministry. He helps me. He helps me do the things that I need to do for God. Um, we ought to have that kind of friend around us. We all have friends. Um, I'm sure we all do, where we grew up with them. And you could joke with them. You go back 10, 20, 30 years with them. Um, and, and you just pick up where you left off. But they, they may not talk to you about God. They might not talk to you about what is useful. Th th those friends are beneficial. Um, don't get me wrong. But we also need friends who will, people in our lives that will intentionally talk to you about God. So you're having a problem. Your old friend might say, man, you know, that stinks. You know what? Hey, I got your back. That's good enough. Um, and and they, they're there for you. But you also need someone. I think that'll say, hey, that's, that's tough. But what are you learning? Like, are you going to the Lord for this? You know, um, that might talk, talk to you in your face. Say, hey, you know what? You're, you are actually in the wrong in this, man. You know you need it. And some of you, those friends, are, we cherish them. We need to cherish them. And we need to be that kind of friend as well. That I can go to someone and, and, 
and know that they have my best interest, you know, and obviously our, our spouses do that so well. Um, they help, you know, my wife helps me, she corrects me. She's a teacher, and whenever I use bad grammar, it's like, you know, she's like, please, gonna and ain't aren't words. And, you know, I'm like, okay, okay, I'll, I ain't gonna say that anymore. And I always say that, and she's like, oh my gosh, you know, like, he goes, please, you know, but she helps me. Um, but really, someone that'll point us to the Lord, someone that'll be like this mark here, useful. What, uh, something else that had helped them, and this is kind of outside of friendships and, and relationships, is we see in verse 13, is the word. Uh, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. The parchments here are the Old Testament books. Above all the parchments. So more than the cloak, more than the, the, the outer garment that's going to keep me warm, more than even the books, above all, Bring me the word. Bring me the books. And it is amazing how quickly we have been so preoccupied uh, with our phones and everything else. Um, but to spend time in the word. You know, to just spend time and to gain strength from the word. We gain strength from people who's with us and the word that is with us. The word that we have here. It's so important that he asks for this, for us to open this up. And, you know, one of the things I do, kind of my morning ritual, and I'm sure you all have one uh, if you're able to, um, but that helps me a great deal is to have kind of a morning. It's like a, you know, a pre-game routine, like the day is my game, and I try to have a routine. Um, and, you know, I try to wake up, you know, I naturally just wake up now earlier um, and, uh, you know, run to the coffee pot, first of all, and then I run to the Bible. Um, maybe the wrong order, but the coffee helps me read the Bible. Anyway, so uh, <clears throat> I, I turn on, and, I, I, and sometimes I'm cooking stuff for my kids, uh, making, you know, whatever, breakfast for them, and I'll, I have the ESV app on my phone, and they have an audio, you know, button. So I'll just play it. So I'm doing all this stuff, and I'm listening to God's Word, and I'm just spending, you know, to 30 minutes, you go through the whole book of First and Second Timothy, you know, before you know it, and you're done with it. And those thoughts and something there uh, speaks to me. And we have to run to God's word. It's so, it's so helpful. And the last thing, obviously, is the Lord is with us. And when you look back on the year, if you sit back and reflect, you'll know, man, God has been with us. God has been with me. Um, every year, I know God has been with me. Uh, it, he says here, and this is the whole contrast here, right? Paul lists... All the people who have abandoned him, Demas and Alexander and all the others who have abandoned him at his first offense, all the people who have deserted him, and he purposely does that to contrast the one who is always with us. And he says here in verse 17, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. The idea, the word here, the stand by, it means to place something nearby for the purpose of being used, like it's, it's close. You know, some of you, in your, uh, next to your beds, you have your uh, nightstand, and you have a light there, you know, and you have your phone charger there, whatever it is. It's there for that simple purpose, is to be useful. And the idea that the Lord stood by me, it's not that he happened to be by me, or he coincidentally was next to me, but he is next to us 
to help us on purpose. His position, his placement is there on purpose. And that's the picture we get. He is with me and he strengthened me. Um, you know, Christmas, we talk about the word Emmanuel. God is with us. God is with us. Uh, Christ's name shall be called Emmanuel. You should call this baby Emmanuel. God is with us. Uh, this was such a, uh, this word is so pregnant with meaning. God himself is with us. God is with us. He's living with us. We are his. He comes in the form of a baby before he was all fire and he was, uh, you know, unapproachable. He was the storm that would pass by. But now God in the form of a human is with us. It's such a big term. Uh, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church in his uh, deathbed, um, said these words. You know, after all said and done, this is what he had to say. He says, the best of all is God is with us. More than anything else, that is God is with us. You know, I think about, um, uh, you know, as I mentioned, my oldest is in ninth grade. And we kind of say this, like, oh, my gosh, we have, like, you know, three and a half years left, and she's gone. You know, and we, we joke around, she's gone. Like, finally, she'll, like, you know, get a job and um, move on. And, but, you know, there's a deep kind of sadness to that. Um, and I'm, I'm a lot weaker than my wife in this, right? I'm like, oh, she's going to be gone, you know, like, it's over, you know, like, she's gone. And then one day she'll bring some gorilla home and I got to deal with that and like oh you know it's um, but but really for me it's like we got I have three years left and she's 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 gone um, and so I, I cherish kind of you know being there and uh, even though she's at that age where she knows everything and um, so when I do you know ask her or you know obvious things and she knows everything and her, her earbuds are in her ear all the time when I talk to her. I don't know how it gets there before I talk to her, but it's always on, so she doesn't hear me. Um, no, but it, it's that sense of, wow, it's, we're not going to be present. It's not so much of, oh, she's, she can do this for me, or I'm useful to her. You know, you think about our loved ones. It's just being with them that we want so much, that we will miss so much. The Lord stood by me. He's Emmanuel. He's with me. Not only is he the one standing by me, he has strengthened me, Paul says. He gives us strength. It's interesting here. Uh, he strengthens him for the mission of doing what God wants him to do. He strengthens us. And each day we ought to ask God for strength. God, give me strength to do your will today. Help me to live in a victorious way for you. God, help me to go and succeed for your name's sake. God, help me to love people. And he strengthens him in this way. And then he says... Uh, for the future tense, the Lord will rescue me. Verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. And this is something I want to highlight as we kind of wrap up, as I wrap up here, is this thought we often think of, we're so focused on the here and now. And let's put it, you know, just, just say it honestly. If we can get all our earthly wishes now, and we don't have to, you know, maybe we don't get heaven but, man, we get all our earthly wishes, you know, and I'm going to you know, make a lot more money. I'm going to have a really good life and, and health. And you get all these things. If I can get it now and I could forfeit heaven, a lot of people would. A lot of people would say, yeah, I would take that. If I could guarantee my kids would be like this and I could have this kind of health and my parents would be like this and I could make this kind of income and have this fame and success, trade it for heaven? 
A lot of people would. A lot of people do today. Here, he says that the ultimate reward, the ultimate rescue, is a spiritual rescue. We often today want to go to God, and we, we're so focused on the earthly rescues. God, you know, I just lost my job. God, give me a new job. Very important. Um, God, you know, this person, you know, um, you know, broke up with me. God, heal, heal my heart. Help me. to. And, and we misunderstand this often. <clears throat> to think that God is really out here to guide our every step to fix every little problem we have. We're all, the ultimate rescue he gives us is to be with him in heaven. You know this verse very well. Romans 8.28, right? Um, and it says this. For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. We know this very well. If you grew up in the church, you heard this. And anytime someone goes through a trial, we say this. Oh, you know, oh, man, you know what? She, she broke up with you. It's okay. God works for good. You're going to meet a hotter girl. Like, don't worry about it. Like, you know, oh, oh, hey, that job didn't work out. Don't worry about it. There's going to be a better job. And that's a complete, like, misunderstanding of this. Because you look at Paul's life. He's abandoned. He's going to die. He's falsely accused. And so the good here is not so much that the circumstances change, but we change. That we're strengthened. You know, Romans 8.28 says that. And if you read it in the context, in Romans 8.29, it says, what, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. This is the good he's talking about. To be conformed to the image of his son. To be conformed, to be changed, to grow. That we would grow on the inside. That this is the good that God works together for. This is the good that God has in mind. And so 2015 might have been a difficult year. You might have had you know, a hard time with people, difficult circumstances, or you might have had just some wonderful news and it's just been good news. Whatever it is, all of this comes together for the good of morphing us into his image, to change us. And that's what Paul's message is. It's not your best life now and your comforts now and the things you see uh, people say in Western Christianity often of your, your life is going to be better now and you know, it's, if you have enough faith, it should be now. Uh, you know, if it was according to the prosperity preachers, you're saying Paul doesn't have enough faith. He's losing his health. He's losing his friends. He's losing his freedom. He doesn't have enough faith. No, the, the ultimate rescue is that we would now be with God. He says in Revelation that I will be your God. You will be my people. That's the ultimate rescue. That is the ultimate good. And if we can grasp that truth to heart and we could understand that, our highs don't go so high so quickly and our lows don't go so low so quickly. It's just steady. Because I will be with him and he will be with me. What a wonderful thought that is. And so could we take that to heart today? As we look forward to the new year, could we take this to heart and say, guys, this is, God, help me to understand this. Help me to grasp this in my life. Um, help me to live with this in mind, that he is with me and that's all I need. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this past year. 
And uh, we thank you for the people you have brought into our lives, people who have encouraged us, been there for us. We thank you for your word that directs us and is like, uh, like food for us, for our souls. And ultimately, we thank you for you, for you being with us. You stood by us, you strengthened us, and you will rescue us. So our hope is in you, our faith is in you, um, more than anything here on earth. Um, so Lord, that, that sets us apart. Um, that's what makes the gospel so good. So we thank you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.